Welcome to Wild Thoughts. I am your host, Jake Wild, and together we will take a journey through the world of sports, music, and life. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. What is good, people? My name is Jake Wild, and I am proud to finally present the inaugural episode of the Wild Thoughts podcast. As many of you guys know, this has been a couple years in the making. I've wanted to make a podcast for a while because I got a lot to get off my chest, and I got some scorching hot takes that I want to share with the world. This podcast is going to make you laugh. It might make you cry. I want to educate. I want to teach. And ultimately, I just want to open people's eyes to a wide array of different topics. I got a lot of different guests that I have planned for the show, a couple really special guests that I'm really excited for. And I want this to be a lot of fun for you guys. I really want to thank you guys for listening. And I also welcome any feedback. You can hit me up at Wild Thoughts on Twitter, E at the end of Wild, two S's at the end of Thoughts. And honestly, if you guys have any you know, ideas, suggestions, if you want to be a guest, Just hit me up because I love to hear from the people. Now, without further ado, I'm excited to get this thing started, so let's do so. Right now, we are within 24 hours of NBA free agency, so I think that is an absolute perfect place to start the pod. And in saying that, I'm excited to welcome the very first guest of the Wild Thoughts podcast. His name is Jordan Hausman. He's my good friend from back when we went to the University of Florida. He's a Knicks and Nets fan. We won't hold that against him. And he's currently wearing a shirt uh, with Woj's tweet stating that Kevin Durant is coming to the Nets. (laughs) So without further ado, Jordan Hausman, say what's good to the people, man. Wild, how are we doing, buddy? It's so good to hear your voice. It's been too long since we've spoken. And thanks for having me on the pod, man. This is such an honor to be here. Can't even tell you. I'm excited, man. You know, when I thought of people to have on the first pod, you're actually the first person I thought of. I know you bring the hot takes, and it's always a good time when we talk, so I'm, I'm excited to get to it. Um, and on that note, let's jump in it, man. So, obviously, we just finished a, a pretty surprisingly great NBA season. Um, and obviously, you know, you being a huge Nets fan, I kind of wanted to get your thoughts because, as we know, the Bucks won the championship, but Kevin Durant was around one inch away from knocking the Bucks out in game seven. Um, obviously with the great, you know, that shot, they were down 109-107 at in, you know, end of game seven. And it turned out to be one of the best games I've, I've actually ever seen in my life. Uh, but obviously I want to just hear, man, are, are you doing okay? You know, how'd you end up recovering from that series? Wild, man. I'm down bad. I'm down as bad as you could possibly be. You, you don't even understand. I was at the game. I'm standing in the stands. I think the game is over multiple times. I mean, we went down with two minutes left. Middleton turned into Kobe, as usual. And Durant hit that shot. I started celebrating like we won the game. Thought I was at the best basketball game in NBA history. Fell into the row in front of me. Almost got into a little fight with an old dad. But, yeah, I'm as down as bad as you could possibly be. Imagine assembling the best roster in the history of basketball and not even making it to the conference finals. After waiting two years for these stars to get healthy, feel right, you know, take their mental health breaks off, do whatever they need to do. 
and they finally get back. They get injured again, and we don't even make the conference finals in a weak Eastern Conference. I'm just as I'm down as bad as you could possibly be. Yeah, man. And to be honest, I kind of had a feeling that you would feel that way. You know, it, it's a disappointment. You know, obviously with Kyrie being injured, it was kind of an uphill battle from the start. Uh, and, you know, I think a lot of people, including myself, I was almost certain the Nets were taking it all. Even when Kyrie got hurt, I was thinking, you know, they're probably still going to take it. I was also a little bit butthurt that we got swept uh, by the Bucks in the first round. Uh, I, un- I was very unfortunate to be at game four. And at that point, obviously, when you're down 3-0, the series was over. But I was really expecting, you know, there's no way we're going to get swept after what we were able to do to them last year. And, you know, believing that we really are a good matchup for them, I was, I was kind of thinking, you know, we're going to at least bring this thing you know, to five. Listen, it was pretty, it, yeah, it was pretty embarrassing. But so I, I guess we have that in common. We both kind of got smacked by the Bucks. How do you feel about the how do you feel about the finals? How do you feel about what Giannis was able to accomplish? Real quick, and I have a lot to talk about Giannis, and you know, he deserves a lot of credit, but getting back to the Nets, and like you said, I mean both of our seasons ended terribly, and neither of us were happy with it. But I think any intelligent NBA fan can watch the games and can see that the Nets would have won the finals if everyone was healthy and they had all three superstars. They destroyed the Bucks in game one and two without James Harden, just Kevin, just Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And everyone in the beginning of the season was saying that the Nets with just Jared Allen, Kyrie Slaver, Spencer Dinwiddie, and those two stars wasn't enough to win. They need more. They got rid of those players. They got rid of James Harden, who they traded for, and they still destroyed the NBA championships in the first two games without all those guys. Then Kyrie went down and it all changed. And that's when everything started to, as a Nets fan, for the first time all year, you're like, holy shit, we could possibly lose this series. But Kevin Durant and Jeff Green had a great game five. I was at that game too. Jeff Green scored 30 points. Uncle Jeff, he still got it. (laughs) Team should be looking for him, by the way. But yeah, I mean, listen, I think any NBA fan can admit that the Nets, if they were healthy this year, would have won the title. But uh, yeah, getting back to your question, I want to hear your thoughts on... uh, how do you feel about the Bucks winning? I mean, I'm sure you have just different feelings about it, knowing that he played them both seasons. But, yeah, I'd love to hear your take on Giannis and the Bucks. Yeah, so, obviously, at first, I was – you know, I'm not a huge Bucks fan. I'm not a big middle, Middleton fan. I used to love Giannis. And then, for whatever reason, with the, you know, with the Giannis free throw thing and the fact that he quite literally breaks an NBA rule every single time he's at the line, I started to kind of, you know, want to see him gone. Stop it, was, stop it. You're the fan that's one, two, three, four, five. Oh, my Can't God, bro. I'm, I'm sitting at home. I'm sitting at home and screaming it. And it, it's funny, too, because he is by no means the first player to take over, you know, to spend more than 10 seconds at the line. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about shit. Dan in there with blank look on his face, wiping the sweat off his forehead. I mean, that probably took 20 seconds. But it's interesting how, the, you know, the ref – kind of messed up Giannis for life. I mean, I've never in my whole life, thousands of games have, of, of basketball watch, I've never seen that called. And it's just funny that it happened, and it's, it's even funnier that it turned into kind of the number one chant in the league. But whatever happened, you know, I was kind of, you know, I really want, I was done, I was done with them. Um, also had a little money on the Nets, so I was, I was kind of hoping the Nets would take it. But that being said, um, what Giannis was able to accomplish in the finals is, is one of the best finals performances I've ever seen. 
I'm still putting D Wade 06 number one, but <laughs> he re- he really you know he he absolutely dominated. Obviously coming off the knee injury, um, you know people didn't even know if he was going to play game one, and like I said, you know had an all time great series. Whatever you wanted to say, you know, if he was at the 40, you know, I, I think beforehand, no matter what, he was in the top 50 greatest players of all time already. Just having, you know, multiple MVPs, MVP and defensive player of the year in the same year. But now, wherever you had him ranked before, I think he's gone up at least 20 spots alone just from mm-hmm. that finals performance and the, the finals MVP. So, so that's kind of my thoughts. But what do you think about it? So, first of all, I'm jealous you only had a little bit of money on the Nets because I'm struggling getting my rent out. You know, it's the first day of the month, and that shit's still hitting me so hard. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. I'm happy for Giannis. I was rooting for the Bucs the whole time. I This playoffs in general, especially the finals, was refreshing because you actually watched two teams that were playing team basketball the whole time. They were a genuine – both of the teams were genuine teams, had unselfish players – there was no drama queens. It was honestly refreshing. That being said, I thought it was low-quality basketball. And it. I just think both of these teams, whoever won, I think this is the worst finals team in a long time besides the Raptors with Kawhi. And they pretty much won due to injuries. But, yeah, it was low-quality basketball. It was a refreshing series to watch, though. Every game was down to the wire. There wasn't that many blowouts. And, yeah, I mean, Giannis, if you look at what he's done so far in his career, and then you compare it to LeBron. He is at his age and doing all of this. And LeBron didn't do any of this. I'm not saying he's going to be LeBron. He isn't as good as LeBron at this age. You know, he just happened to win at this point due to circumstances. But, you know, I'm definitely a Giannis fan. Giannis is good for the league. And it's just also refreshing to see someone promoting, you know, someone who stays in a small city, accepts the contract extension, and then wins and just like, that's what everyone dreams about. That's what the NBA is about. And I'm just really happy that that happened this season. If like, you know, if the Nets lost and then LeBron won, I would have just, I don't even know if I could watch the next year. It would have been so awful, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I think Middleton's awesome. Drew Holiday's awesome. Brooke Lopez. Uh, I'm not a huge Chris Paul fan. I kind of like the whole storyline that he'll retire as a ultimate loser. Cause I think there needs to be people like that. And like, in the NBA and history, like Patrick Ewing and stuff and Charles Barkley, people, you always talk about that almost got there and won, but they were great, you know, regardless of that. If everyone wins, then it just becomes less less valuable. So, yeah, that's my thoughts on the finals and Giannis and the Suns. Yeah, no, I, I think you made some great points. To be honest with you, though, I think a little bit of my bias against Giannis was really stemming from the fact that the Heat – really position themselves to be able to sign him in this free agency. You know, this, the 2021 free agency has been talked about for a couple of years now. People were comparing it to 2010. Obviously, you know, last year in free agency, Riley really, you know, wasn't going to commit to any long-term contracts. And I think, you know, ultimately Bam and Giannis sharing the same agent, it would have been really nice to have gotten some type of hint. I know that doesn't happen in the asking agent to tip their hand. Um, but ultimately, it went from, okay, we're going to be flexible, maybe get Giannis, to, okay, got to max out Bam now instead of next year, which is totally fine because he's worthy of it. But, but yeah, to be honest, once, once everything, once the dust kind of settled, I was able to really take in and soak in what Giannis was able to do. I'm, I'm with you. And I honestly, the guy is such a good guy. You know, it is so good for the league. He's 
you know, charitable. He's really good to the fans, obviously spreading the game internationally. So I'm definitely with you there. Uh, but that's last season, man. We got a lot to talk about. Um, obviously, the NBA draft happening a couple nights ago. I it's been a wild of- week, man. It's been a wild <laughs> week. It's been a it's been a wild week, man. Are, are you the kind of guy that's got Woj and Shams uh, notifications on, or you, you like to kind of just let things ride and, and figure them out as things so, as things go on? It's funny. The summer of 2019, you know, with Durant and everything, is when I started to put Woj notifications on. I'm actually a Shams supporter because he's the underdog and he's young. But yeah, I got Woj push notifications on. I see it as it happens, you know. And speaking of Woj notifications, like today was. Insane, you know, there were so many things that popped up all day. I mean, let's get into it, man. Yeah, t- today was wild. I'm going to step take a step back really quick before we get into that. want to talk about the draft a little bit. Obviously, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, first big thing that happened in the draft uh, actually technically took place a bit before the draft, but we got a first big blockbuster of the summer. Russell Westbrook getting traded from the Wizards to the Lakers. The whole trade ended up being Russ in two seconds to the Lakers. For Kyle Kuzma, Harrell, KCP, and a twenty, you know, and, and the twenty second pick, which for some reason they they flip for for Holiday, um, but I'm, I'm gonna take point on this one, and then I'm gonna get your thoughts. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter, um, oh, we got the next super team. It's a dynasty, you know, the best, you know, one of the best trios of all time. I'm seeing a lot of hot takes, and so I want I want to provide a hot take of my own. I don't think the Lakers got better. And, and let me explain. Obviously, Russ, you know, he puts up great stats. He's an MVP. He, you know, he's done a lot of great things, triple-double legends. But if you're looking at Russ at this point in his career, he's, he's, he's still really sloppy. He's still really inefficient, can't shoot. And what you're effectively doing in the Lake, in, as the Lakers is you're taking the ball out of LeBron's hands and you're putting it into his hands. And LeBron is one of the most efficient players of all time. He's incredibly, you know, his vision is amazing. And what about the 20, was it the 2011 finals? 2011, he scored seven points that game? <laughs> we don't, we don't like to talk about that. The JJ uh, Brand just, domination. <laughs> I was just confirming. I totally forgot he did that. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, no, no, it, it happened. And I, and I <laughs> of, course, of course, appreciate you bringing that up. <laughs> but I mean, he's, he's really grown a lot as a player. I, I think we saw it a lot last year, to be honest, when, you know, they torched us, obviously with the injuries, but LeBron just looked like an absolute machine. And I think a lot of the mental aspect of the game he was still grappling with in Miami, he's got it figured out. Um, and so ultimately, they did need a guard, but in, in my opinion, they needed a guard that could play off the ball and be kind of a catch-and-shoot guy. Um, so I, I don't love the fit at all. I think Russ, again, he's very sloppy, and I, I don't love the fact that now you got Russ, LeBron, and AD. AD can shoot threes. They, they all can, but none of them are great at it. And, and AD doesn't even really play center. I, I think I saw this year that they're going to play him a lot more at the five. He's not a natural five, and that's not where he's best. But now, you know, if, if AD still ends up playing the four at all, and they bring in a five they can't shoot, that, that's a lineup that really is, is really poor on the perimeter. So I'm not loving the fit. I think that it was a trade that, LeBron probably was in the ear of the GM. He said, probably said, like, listen, man, we got to make a deal. I love Ross. I want to bring him in here. But ultimately, I don't think it makes them a real contender. So that, that's kind of my take on it. But obviously, want to get your thoughts as well. Yeah, I mean, listen, I agree that I don't think this trade makes them better. But I, I look at it from this standpoint. I see 
that LeBron is 100 years old. In my opinion, Anthony Davis is a soft player. He's constantly injured. He lives in L.A. now. He, he, he knows that he's making a lot of money. He wants to be good for a long time. He sits out a lot, load manages a lot. They need someone to win them games during the regular season, and Russell Westbrook plays every single night. If he play, And he gives his all. Probably, he goes harder than any player in the league. And he'll get them wins throughout the regular season. I mean, they saw what happened last season. They they had to play in the playing game. I mean, that's not something LeBron is accustomed to. That's not something they want. And so this will help them in the regular season. When you get into the playoffs, though, and Russell Westbrook used to having the ball 20 to 30 minutes a game in his hands, and then LeBron gets the ball, or Anthony, you know, Anthony Davis gets the ball in the post. You have LeBron in the top of the key. You have Russell Westbrook in the corner. You have Alex Caruso in another corner. There's no shooting there, and that's not that's not 2021 basketball. That's not going to get you there. And I think when there's two minutes left in the game and it's a two-point game, you don't want Russell Westbrook making decisions for you. Um, I obviously think it makes them better, but you know, I if you, if you saw Shams reporting at the same time, I'm not sure who was reporting what. I actually think Woj reported this, but they were had the same trade for Buddy Heald. And I know people don't think Buddy Heald's a big name. They don't think Buddy Heald's that good because Sacramento's not that good. Buddy Heald was, is the fastest player in NBA history to get to 1,000 three-pointers before Stephen Curry. I mean, he's going to go down as one of the best three-point shooters in NBA history, whether people want to believe it or not. And he shoots 38 to 40% from three every year. He scores 20 points a game. He would have helped them space the floor too. I mean, I, I if I'm a Lakers fan, I would have rather had Buddy Heald, and I think most NBA analysts agree. I mean, this is a bigger blockbuster trade for the Lakers. But that being said, you know, don't think it makes them better in the playoffs. I think that if the Lakers play the Nets in the finals, it'll be such a fun storyline. Um, that'll be just be fun for the NBA. But uh, getting into the other side of the trade, I think the Wizards did awesome. I actually think Kyle Kuzma is a good player, and like once he's out of the spotlight, he'll actually be able to be himself a little more. Montrez Harrell goes hard. KCP's gotten better because of he's had to be good. And yeah, I mean, I think they, they're finally putting Beal around people who could actually score. And then they have Kispert now, who was Rui's, uh, Rui Hachimura's college teammate. I think the Wizards are actually going in the right direction, even though, you know, their upside's not that high. But those are my thoughts on the trade. What, what do you think about the Wizards? Uh, how do you think they did? I think ultimately... I have viewed Russ as a negative asset. I think he's a great player, but ultimately that contract and like the downfalls we've discussed, anytime you can trade a negative asset for assets, I, I think you're doing a good job. And, and I do think that, you know, both teams in a way, I guess, won the trade. Um, but I do think the Wizards did as good as they possibly could have. Yeah, that seems um, like you think they can do better than what they got like for Westbrook at this age? Probably not, you know. No, no. Yeah, that's exactly my thoughts. And to be honest, I'm a pretty big fan of Montrez Harrell. I know you said you're a big fan of Kuzma, but Harrell, people forget a couple of years back, uh, you know, his, his last year with the Clippers, I think 2019, uh, he scored 19 a game. And Six man of the year. Yeah, six man of the year, you know, 19 a game on almost 60% from the field. And, and I think last year he, he found himself a little bit lost. He obviously took, you know, four less attempts per game, but he still was able to shoot 62% from the field. That's nothing to sneeze at. I think he's, he's a very talented guy around the rim. He's not the best defender, but I do think, you know, he's only 27. And I think that's something that, you know, a good piece to play with Beal. Beal hasn't really played with a, a you know a great big man yet. 
Um, it's always seeming to be, you know, wings and guards that they, they're, they're putting around him. I, I love do Thomas like the Bryant. fit. <laughs> yeah, Thomas Bryant. He's, he's solid. Yeah. He had a nice career in Indiana. I, I, think I he's love okay. I love to bet the over-under Thomas Bryant three-pointers at half a three. And some games he takes like seven threes, and it's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I think ultimately – For all the betters out there, for all the betters out there, Thomas Bryant over half a three, that's the lock <laughs> of the century next season. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. I think that they, you know, they actually can probably play together some minutes. But, yeah, but yeah going back to the original question, I, I definitely think – that the Wizards won, and I, again, kudos to them. Like, did um, you think about think. Let's think about this. So, let's say the Wizards, uh, you know, their starting lineup. Let's say they put Beal at point guard. You have Beal, you have uh, Kispert, you have Kuzma, Harrell, and then maybe Thomas Bryan or maybe Rui. I mean, that's a that's you know that's a respectable team in this league, in my opinion. And I think all like players like Kuzma and Harrell are better than they, should, obviously. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think the Wizards did great. Honestly, I don't think Russell. Westbrook at this age deserves to be traded for as much as they got. So I think they did great. I'd give them like an A minus grade. Yeah, I'm probably around there too. I'm probably, you know, probably at a B plus. And, and the thing is now with the play-in games, you know, being confirmed to be brought back next year, the roster you just named is, is, is without question a, a play-in caliber team. And I think ultimately if, if Beal does stay, which we'll get into later, you know, he can't be too unhappy. So, yeah, I, I think they did well. Um, mm-hmm. But of course, of course, a lot other a lot of other uh, action happened that night. It was the NBA draft. Um, so I'll, I'll let you lead on this one. What are your thoughts on the draft? You know, are there any any teams you feel that won? Any big steals? You know, you have the floor, my man. So yeah, I, I guess I'll just start with uh, who I think won the draft, what team, and I think they actually won it by a landslide. I think the Houston Rockets won the draft this year. Uh, they had the second pick in the draft. They picked Jalen Green. Then I think they have the 16th pick in the draft. They pick Alperin Shangun, who's my favorite player from uh, this year's draft. Then they picked Garuba with a uh, pick in the 20s. He's from Real Madrid. That's where he played last season. I just think about, you know, Houston's roster, and they have the only set players, I'd say, in their starting lineup are Christian Wood, who is, you know, a great rising young center who constructs the floor if people don't know much about him. And then people, if people forget, they have John Wall. And John Wall's going to start for them. He's going to play this year. They're stuck with him. He has an untradeable contract. They pick Jalen Green at two. He'll fill in at shooting guard. They pick Garuba at, you know, in the 20s. He'll fill in at small forward. And then Shangun at, at 16, he'll be their power forward. So I think if those guys can, you know, play with Wood and Wall, they just filled their needs. And I think where they got, you know, other than Green, I think Green, they had to take second. But Shangun at 16 and where they got Garuba, I think are value picks. These guys play against professional players overseas. Overseas basketball is getting better, and they have a higher IQ than, I'd say, players growing up in the U.S. that are playing college. You know, just European basketball is more of a team sport, and I really, you know, just getting into Alperin Shingun. If you haven't seen him or heard of him, please look him up on YouTube and watch some of his highlights. He reminds me of Sabonis and Jokic, a little bit of a mix. To be 18 years old and he could shoot threes, he could dribble the ball, he has great passing ability, and his footwork at his age is absolutely insane. Like he looks like Tim Duncan, and he's a lefty. Like I, I'm very surprised he dropped to 16. I thought he'd definitely be a top 10 pick, but you know that's uh, that's in my opinion who won the draft. Getting into my team, the Brooklyn Nets, picking Cam Thomas at 28. I thought that was a steal. I mean, he he averaged 24 points a game at LSU. He's a freshman. He shoots threes at a very high clip and a high percentage. 
you know, Kevin O'Connor of the ringer had him going in the lottery. Uh, and then to let him fall all the way to a team like the Nets, I mean, we need off the bench scoring, especially when these players want to sit out as much as they do. I thought Cameron Thomas was a great pick at 28. And, you know, just to get into Cade Cunningham, I mean, I think Cade's awesome. I think Cade, Cade is very similar to Ben Simmons, who could actually shoot the basketball. He seems like a very uh, humble guy. He seems ready to go. He's happy to be in Detroit. So, you know, Detroit did, you know, awesome too. Uh, I'd love to hear what you think about Cade. And I know that Miami Heat didn't really get active on draft night. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, so a little bit of a quiet night for Heat fans, as expected. I think there was a little talk before the draft of potentially buying into the second round. But ultimately, you know, I, I think we had our eye on a couple guys that we, we had a feeling would go undrafted. We definitely stocked up after the draft. Um, but, but as far as the draft goes, uh, I definitely – I actually agree with a, lot, with a lot of what you said on the Rockets. But my, my winner definitely goes to the Pistons. They didn't have to do much. The, the choice was very obvious with Cade Cunningham. Um, but I think he's just a really, really well-rounded prospect. One of the most NBA-ready prospects that I've seen go in a long time. Um, and, and the Pistons, you know, they've been pretty down bad recently. Uh, pretty, you know, obviously, uh, Stan Van Gundy kind of came in and, and kind of gutted them and pretty much ruined them for a couple of years. But, you know, they haven't been able to draft an all-star since 2012. The, the last all-star they drafted was Andre Drummond. We know how that turned out. And they haven't drafted a Hall of Famer since 1994 when they picked Grant Hill. So that being said, all they really had to do was be bad and, and get lucky in the lottery. But I do think that they brought in a player that, like you said, is actually bought in for whatever reason, is happy to be in Detroit. But ultimately, I think he's going to be able to contribute right away. I do like your comparison of Ben Simmons that can shoot. The man has good, good, maybe not elite athleticism, but definitely good enough to, to dominate a lot of yeah. smaller, he's, weaker matchups. He's a bit and smaller than Ben Simmons, definitely. Yeah, a little bit smaller, but ultimately, you know, I think he's got a nice shot. I think it's a shot that can improve. And, and yeah, that's that's kind of my thoughts. You know, I to be just quite to, honest. Just to jump in real quick, going back to Cade, you know, I really like the pick. I would have taken Cade first, but I do think his ceiling is lower than some of the other players. His floor is way higher, but I don't think Cade has the potential to be a top five player in this league. But definitely has a better chance to be an all-star than, you know, most of the other guys picked in the top five. No, I love it. That's actually ex exactly what I was about to say. I think he's a high floor. I think he's a really safe pick. And when you're the Detroit Pistons and you're just trying to get something going out there, uh, I definitely think he was the pick. Um, but, but yeah, as far as that goes, that's pretty much my thoughts on the draft. Is there anything else you want to speak of before we come? No, yeah, I just wanted to I just wanted to ask you real quick. I mean, out of players drafted maybe in the lottery, like who do you like, you know, who, who would you have taken? Like what player do you think in five years will be the best out of all these guys in five years, 10 years, you know, let me hear what you, uh, you have to say. Well, so obviously I think for me, I still am going with, with Cade. However, I was really a big fan of the Cavs getting Mobley. Um, I, I think that in today's NBA, getting a big man that can switch getting a big man that can shoot, um, a guy that has a lot of versatility. He reminds me of a little bit of a mix of, of AD and Bosch. That's a pretty high praise for a guy like that, and I don't think he's going to quite get to that level. Um, is he going to be the best in 10 years? I'm not sure. I just think for that team, um, I really, really liked that pick, and I think he's going to be able to, again, contribute right away, and I think he's a good pairing if, if that team were to keep 
the assets they have around him. I think that's a really good start for them. So I, I would say that's a pretty good um, – that, that's kind of my, my guy in this draft. So, yeah, I mean, listen, Mobley, to me, definitely has potential, but I, I, I didn't want – I don't like Mobley as much as most people did. I wouldn't even have picked him in the top five. I just think, you know, you look back at these drafts, we're going to look at this draft board and see 20 out of the 30 players not making any impact on their teams next year whatsoever. You know, we get all excited about all these players, talk about how good they are, and none of them practically do anything. So I think with a player like Mobley that has potential, like he does, but maybe not be so ready to go now, is going to struggle on a team like the Cavs that – aren't you know ready to win they he's going to get used to losing every single night and Mobley's personality is just he's just a very nice quiet guy and when you're a big man in this league you're going to get used to real quick that you can't be like that on a night-to-night basis I mean I know he could stretch the floor a bit and guard you know perimeter defenders and that's what the league's looking for but I'm seeing his game and it's post-ups and mid-range jumpers which is you know that's not a thing in the NBA anymore unless you could do it at a level like Kawhi Leonard could do it but I don't really think he's going to have a great season in Cleveland. And if I were them, I probably would have went a different route. I maybe would have picked Jalen Suggs there or, you know, Franz Wagner. But yeah, I mean, I just don't agree with that. Mobley will have any type of impact in the next couple of years. And I really can see him. I know being out of the league is a little intense, but just, you know, going from bench to bench and being a journeyman after a couple of years. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. I think another guy too, we talked about him earlier. I, I really like Jalen Green. I think the move to go to the G League is, is one that a lot of people are going to follow, um, especially because when you think about college ball, I'm going to hurt some feelings here. I just, I just don't see it as that legitimate. I mean, a lot of the players, most of the matchups on a given night are glorified high school players. The three-point line isn't even the same distance. But when you're going to the G League, every single player in the G League was successful in some, at some level, either internationally, in college, in high school. I mean, the talent level is just way, way better for me. So I'm thinking a guy that can go into the G League and, and play well, I'm picking him as a – I think he's a way safer pick than, than most of the other guys in this draft. Um, you know, obviously he was able to put up, you know, I believe like around 18 points a game. Um, yeah. And, and that's, that's nothing to sneeze on. He had a high efficiency – and, you know, I think that overall, um, that's the kind of thing you're looking for. So, yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, I love Jalen Green. I think going into the G League definitely helps more than, you know, going to college. I think you're playing a similar style to NBA play. Shot clock's 24 seconds, three-point line is deeper. The players are bigger and stronger. I think, you know, more players are going to start definitely doing that. I see Jalen Green as a Jamal Murray-type player in the future. He's just the type of guy that's born with flat-out talent. You can just tell, like, his jump shot when he shoots it, the step backs. Like, he's got it. You know, he's not – he could work on his game all he wants, but he steps into the gym probably and looks like the best player in the gym right away, whereas other players are going to have to work on their game, like Mobley. Uh, You know, Jalen Green just – he seems a little immature in the moment, and he's going to take some time to, like, figure out how to score and help his team win and not just score, but – yeah, I love Jalen Green, and I also I don't want to forget this. I thought the Orlando Magic did awesome, uh, getting Jalen Suggs at five, who wasn't supposed to be there. Who's you know I don't love Jalen Suggs as much as Jalen Green, but you know Suggs has been he played he was a McDonald's All American. He was on a very good high school team, played on one of the best teams in college. He's just always been a winner, and he's always been one of the best players on that like on his winning teams. So I thought Suggs was a great pick at five when they weren't supposed to get him. 
And then I'm a huge Franz Wagner fan. I mean, I think he's also a high floor, low ceiling type of guy. But I think next year he is ready to go right away. If you haven't watched Franz Wagner highlights, watch his defensive highlights in college. He can guard one to five. He's six nine. He's 220 pounds. I mean, he is a high IQ passer. He can shoot the three. I think he's very fit for the NBA this day and age. And I think they got two guys that are both can shoot threes, play defense, or ready to go like this season, which is a big deal. So I think other than the Rockets, the Magic definitely did a great job. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I think it's a it's a good start for them. Obviously, them pit, pushing the hard reset, getting rid of Vooch last year. I, I think it's I think it's a good start for them. And, you know, I, I, I listen, I live in Florida. They, they torch us every time we play them. The Magic are literally the Heat's kryptonite. So I, I'm, I'm almost 100% sure that Suggs is going to be the new Heat killer. Not looking forward to it. But, you know, that, that's kind of the way it, it shakes out for the Heat, unfortunately. But, uh, but I think we, we did a really good job covering the draft. I do want to get into free agency. Um, obviously, you know, free agency just start, is, is starting in less. Actually, now, around 24 hours from now, we're going to be getting Woj and Shambombs left and right. But today we got a lot of news as well. Um, and I want to start off with the hometown Miami Heat. We had a lot of news today. Let's get um, into that Heat culture, man. Hell, hell yeah, dude. So the biggest news is we declined or, you know, didn't pick up Iggy's option. We did pick up Goran Dragic's option. And I think the initial reaction on Twitter was like, oh, amazing. You know, Dra- Dragon's coming back. Let's go. But I think then when people started to let it sit and realize kind of the situation, the Heat are not going to be willingly paying Goran 19 mil a year next year to play for us. It's just not it's not happening. And ultimately, as Woj reported, among a lot of other local Miami Heat guys, that, that is a very likely precursor to a trade. And obviously, with a lot of people linking us to Lowry, a lot of people are now saying it's going to end up being a Dragic for Lowry swap. And the reason why a sign-in trade helps the Heat a lot is it will help us and have us operate as an over-the-cap team. And what that means is we will not only be able to, you know, pick out, you know, get Lowry out here, um, but we will also be able to hopefully match Duncan Robinson, which I think no matter what happens next year, if we don't bring back Duncan, we're in, we're in huge trouble. We'll be able to retain him and we'll also um, not only be able to have the mid-level exception, but we will also have an ability to sign and trade other guys um, such as Kendrick Nunn uh, and, and, you know, even Oladipo. So there's another rumor that came out today that I also want to hit on. Um, a local, local five, you know, five reasons hit it first, but obviously, you know, the grifters are going to take credit for it. However, you know, a lot of people are saying now that the Heat want to pair Lowry and his good old buddy DeMar DeRozan. And that would, you know, take some cap gymnastics for sure. I don't think DeMar DeRozan's a guy that's going to want to come in and take the mid-level exception. But I think that ultimately, you know, Andy Ellisberg is the, the best at what he does. Pat Riley is the best at what he does. I think DeMar, Lowry, and Butler are all good friends. And if they have a nice conversation, I think, you know, we can agree, you know, another, I think it'll end up having to be another sign and trade with, with the Spurs, maybe for Kendrick Nunn, maybe for Oladipo. But, you know, I think it's ultimately going to be up to the cap gymnastics we're able to do. And I think it's also going to be potentially up to Mickey Arison having to pay that fat tax bill, which in the past, you know, he, he might not have been, you know, the most down for. But before we get into other players, I want to get your thoughts uh, on what a team of Kyle Lowry, DeRozan, Butler, Duncan, 
and Bam can do. What do you think that team's ceiling would be? Yeah, let's get into it. Just uh, starting with the trade. I mean, if you, I'm, I'm thinking as a Heat fan right now, and I think so. You're upset about Drogic leaving. I mean, if you've watched the Heat the last couple of years, he saved you guys. I mean, when you need a bucket, you go to Goran Drogic. You don't go to Jimmy Butler. He's oh, he, the guy. He, he's he's a hero. That that man that that man belongs in the Raptors. I'm just gonna say that. Thank you, Dragon, for everything. Had to get that out there. He was unbelievable. I mean, he just gets into modes where he scores nine straight points. It's a Drogic versus the other team, you know, run where it's like this makes no sense. I'm annoyed that he's doing this because it's score on Drogic. And then you start to realize over the years, he's like that. He's that good. He's still that good. And that's why he's getting paid this much. So that, that hits you at first, but you have to watch the team. You have to realize how important shooting is. I mean, Jimmy Butler just every year wants to take less and less threes. You have Bam. You don't have players that really could shoot. And Duncan Robinson is a top three shooter in this league and he's only getting better. He, you need to figure out how to keep him on your team. Other teams obviously want him. The New York Knicks want him. A lot of teams are looking at him, I think, on the in the West, too. So if you have to swap Lowry for Drogic, you do it to keep Duncan. And I don't support the DeMar trade. I don't think it makes a huge difference because there's not that many people out there that you can get that'd be better. Maybe look for a player like Buddy Heald instead and, you know, give up Harrow and some picks. That's just a trade off the top of my head. I mean, I'm not sure whose contract you could put in there to make that happen, but... Going back to your original question, Lowry. So I don't know if that'd be the starting lineup, but Lowry, DeMar, Jimmy Butler, Duncan, Bam, that's definitely the closing lineup. I like the team. You'd be proud to watch that team. Kyle Lowry is fun. You know, he plays hard. He plays defense. He's good. He, like, he had an off year last year, but the Raptors were in Tampa. Doesn't really, you know, it, it was COVID, <laughs> COVID year Tampa Bay. Like that wasn't a real Raptors season. I don't, I don't, you know, hit on Lowry for that. I think, it makes them better than they were last year. But I think Heat fans sometimes need to wake up and look in the mirror and say, are we better than the Bucks? Are we better than the Heat? And if not, is this going to help us be good in five years when all the Nets players leave, when you know Giannis is potentially not doing this? And I don't think it does make them better. I don't know what I would do if I were on the Heat. I think you guys really made a mistake last season not trading for James Harden. That is not biased because we got James Harden. We lost before the conference finals. I have nothing to brag about, but that's what the move you should have made. You can't live in the past. I could be Captain Hindsight all I want. I usually am. But but um yeah, I, I'd look in the mirror and say, I'd be proud to watch this team. You know, we could potentially make the conference finals, but how far could this team really get? I mean, you don't even know who the best player on the team is. I, I, you guys are going to say it's Jimmy Butler, but in my opinion, it's Bam, and Bam's not the type of guy to take the shot with the last two minutes. It's, it's definitely a strange team, like strange roster construction, but they'd definitely be a playoff team, probably around a four-seed, three-seed. Yeah, well, I think there's a lot of good points there, a lot to unpack. I do want to note, you know, I'm definitely of the part of the fans that I wanted James Harden really bad. And not only do I just want him now, I wanted him then. If it would have taken Hero, Duncan, Precious, you know, Kendrick Nunn, all our picks, everything, I, I would have put everything on the table, you know, and I think that ultimately Riley wasn't willing to do that. And, and honestly, for good reason. I mean, we were coming off the finals run. Hero, obviously a massive part of that, absolutely dominated the Celtics. Heat fans, Heat fans deserve everything coming to them about Tyler <laughs> Hero for all the talk, all the Twitter posts, everything about how he's going to be a Hall of Famer up in the Raptors. <laughs> It was actually pathetic, and Tyler Harrow has a long way to go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it's hard to argue with that. I, I think that, 
you know, he ended up having not the worst year this year, you know, compared to his rookie year, his percentages were up, his numbers were up, but obviously with what we were able to see in the bubble, you know, I think Heat fans played a lot of defense on him. You know, he wasn't bubble boy, but ultimately, you know, he kind of, he kind of is bubble boy. Um, it's Jake Wild, Jake Wild, let me ask you this for the people. Would you rather have RJ Barrett on your team or Tyler Harrow on your team? If I'm starting a team from scratch, it's RJ Barrett and it's, it's really not close for the heat. I mean, for the reasons you spoke of before, we just, we need shooting. And I do think hero, you know, look on the topic of hero re- really quick. So right now I'm not calling hero a future. That's a little unrealistic, but if we're looking at who he is and what he can become last year, he had 15 points a game, 44% from the field, 36% from three. Um, you know, he, he's a pretty good rebounder and I'm seeing him as a future six man of the year candidate. Is that what we thought he was in the bubble? Certainly not. Is that what Pat Riley thought he was when he wouldn't, you know, pair Duncan and hero for Harden? Definitely not. But hero still, you know, being able to be 21 years old and, and, and put up those kind of numbers on, on decent efficiency. I think there's a lot of room for growth. Um, I think he can become a 20 point a game scorer off a good team's bench, maybe 18 points a game on, you know, a little higher percentages. And I think that's the kind of guy you need on your team. If you want to win, certainly can't build around him. Um, I do think you can build around RJ Barrett. Um, but, but as to the other points, um, you know, I definitely disagree with you on, on where the heat ceiling would be with that team. Um, I agree with you that I don't think DeMar DeRozan and Jimmy and Bam in the, the lineup in the lineup at the same time is, is oh, going to be a staple. I don't think it's going to be our starting lineup. Um, but ultimately, let's not sleep on, on DeMar and let's not sleep on Kyle Lowry. I want to touch on Lowry first. I'll sleep on DeMar for the rest of my life. He just doesn't play the 2021 style of basketball. You're going to be paying him more money than you should. He can't shoot threes. I like DeMar DeRozan. Who doesn't? But I, I could shit on DeMar. I'd rather have a ton of players than DeMar DeRozan. I'd rather probably play like have Tyler Harrow on the court. And so, I mean, Kyle Lowry's a great player. But realistically, Wild, do you see that team beating the Nets in a seven-game series? And I know it sucks that I'm a Nets fan and I'm asking you this, but if you do, you know, I think you need to think about how good Jimmy Butler and your team actually is. Yeah, no. And, and here, here's why I think we can compete in a, in a seven-game series against any team with that roster. So, first off, adding Kyle Lowry, it just does immense things for our offense. Obviously, he's a great, you know, great two-way player, but – you know, last year, a lot, most of our facilitating came from Bam and it came from Jimmy. And I think both of them are great facilitators, but neither of them are point guards. Kyle Lowry is one of the few true point guards left in the league. Um, he's one of the best facilitators of his generation. And I think what that would do for a team like the Heat is, is just, it, you know, it, it's it, this the, like the sum of the parts would be, you know, that's not the term. I think the term would actually be the whole would be greater than the sum of the parts. Um, and I think when you bring yes, in a guy like that, similar to the bubble team, you know, if you look on paper, that team's not a finals team. If you look at the other finals teams and you compare it to them, but yeah, you think it's going to fit well together. And I get that. And I agree with you that it could. And, you know, Lowry just brings that vibe to a team similar to Chris Paul does. I would think at this point in his career where, you know, he brings a winning attitude, he, you know, no bullshit mentality, but I, I really do think you need to think about the Lakers. Think about, other teams in the league and think about the heat's future and 
you know, I guess you guys have to be in a win-now mode when you have Bam out of bio at this young age. I just think the Heat are definitely in a tough spot. And I always say in the NBA, you don't want to be in purgatory where you're living between the eight and the four seed. You want to be winning. You want to be winning or tanking like the Thunder are. They're doing it the right way. And in 10 years, I'm sure we'll be watching the Thunder with superstars and finals contenders you don't want to be in purgatory like the Atlanta Hawks were when we were growing up and they were literally the four seed every single year but everyone knew they weren't going to win so that would be a concern of mine if I were a Heat fan but listen man the Heat are going to be a great team if they have those guys like competitive fun team you're going to be interested as a fan you're going to be wanting to go to the games and you're going to believe a little bit that you could potentially beat the Lakers or the Nets even though the results might be a little depressing but listen man (laughs) I know you guys always want to win now and you have this thing in your head that you always win now because you grew up seeing it. But I just hope these decisions now don't impact where you are in seven years and you're that guy that's rooting for a team that doesn't even try to win games. <laughs> well, well, listen, man, valid concerns. I just think at this point we got Jimmy. We're about to you know, extend him. The time is now. There really isn't – you know, we have no room to operate thinking about our future you know, it's unfortunate, and I think that's kind of the way Pat Riley lives. He's very comfortable with that. Obviously, after the Heat, you know, the Big Four era broke up, we, you know, it, you know, people expected us to be kind of in shambles. We were able to compete. We were a couple games away from the Eastern Conference Finals with the, the you know, the Wade, Bosch, Drogic teams. Obviously, Bosch with the blood clots. You know, things didn't go our way. But I, I definitely don't think we're operating thinking about the future. If we're thinking about the now, and you're bringing in a guy like Lowry, who can unlock Bam. And that's, that's one thing I want to touch real quick. You know, Bam is an incredible player. He's an incredible facilitator. He's extremely versatile. But when I see him get the ball at the top of the key, a lot of times he's either doing like a, you know, he's trying to get to the rim with a hesitation move or he'll, he'll try to and pass out. And I think, you know, a lot of dribble handoffs as well. I want to see another level to Bam's game. I think he, he can be a premier pick and roll guy. And I think, you know, we can run a lot of different sets if we run the, run the offense through Lowry. And I think that we haven't even – we didn't even tap – come close to tapping the potential of Bam. Um, bringing a guy like Lowry and I think can do a lot. And obviously on DeMar DeRozan, people sleep on him hard. And the biggest knock, as you mentioned, he cannot shoot threes. He's, he's definitely below league average. I think he's around like 25% from the three ball. Um, that's definitely and not his bread. He shoots a ton of mid-range twos as well. Yeah, man, he's literally he he literally plays as if it's between him and Jimmy Butler. You're just gonna see shots from the from the elbow breaking <laughs> off the side of the re- like side of the backboard. Bam's gonna get the rebound. You'll do it like over and over again. <laughs> no, I mean, he, he, there's no question. I don't love the fit between Demar and Jimmy. I think if if we were to acquire Demar, it would be a tough conversation with him and Spo and the, and the coaching staff. But I really believe. You know his best fit would be off the bench, and and I know you know people are people are questioning if he'd be willing to, but he's about to be 32. He's never won anything. He's made a lot of money, and he'll still probably end up making a lot of money. But but last year he put up 22 a game, seven assists a game, and I think he's an underrated facilitator as well. Still was around 50 percent from the floor. Um, but to your point, I don't love him on the floor with Jimmy and Bam at the same time. I don't think that's kind of a formula for winning. If we were to stagger him and Jimmy's minutes as much as possible, um, maybe only have them on the floor for 10 minutes at a time and have DeRozan in the rest of the game when Jimmy's sitting, um, I think he can play a really good 30 minutes a game, 25, 30 minutes. He'd be taking a reduced role, but I think what he'd be able to bring off the bench, he's definitely the sixth man of the year, in my opinion, if that were to happen. And as a closing lineup, I mean, we got a lot of guys that can get fouls. 
Um, DeMar, Lowry, Jimmy, and Bam are all really good at getting to the line at the end of the game. Um, and so to be honest, I don't – do I think that team is currently constructed as winning a championship? I, I'm, I'm iffy about it, but I definitely think the floor realistically should be Eastern Conference Finals. I, I know it's a pretty high floor. Um, but obviously, man, I'm a Heat fan. I believe in the team. I believe in the system. Um, and I think that if, if Andy Ellisberg and Riley want to make a move for DeRozan, I think that they have a bigger picture in mind. So, so, so listen, I think we, man, listen, listen, wild, wild. East, definitely Eastern Conference Finals is putting it in a nice way, a stretch. I mean, I just want you to be realistic with yourself when you think about what the Bucks just their best player is, how good the Nets are, the Sixers are still good. Definitely Eastern Conference Finals. I'd hope to make it there if I were you guys. You know, maybe uh, you just need to add a little culture this year. You need more culture than, you know, the past. We got the culture. Don't, don't you worry about our culture, brother. No, I mean, got- listen, I don't know how much culture there was last year. So this year you might need even more culture than you already had. <laughs> I mean, we, always, we always need more. There's never, never such thing as too much culture. But I do feel you on, on, on kind of the Giannis thing. But let's not, let's not forget last year in the bubble, um, we brought out the wall, and, and I do think that, bam, ultimately, if, if, if we were to be able to play the Bucks again with an improved team around Jimmy and bam, I think it would be a definitely a far different result than what we saw this year. And I think Bam has a lot of room to grow his, you know, as well. Getting into the bubble wild, sorry to interrupt you. Uh, no, you're again, good. But um, you guys had Jay Crowder to guard Giannis and to be that guy on the floor. And every Heat fan knows right now, and I know a ton, and they're all ridiculously biased towards their team. They'd all tell you right now that they'd rather have Jay Crowder than DeMar DeRozan on their team for the future, for the finals, for whenever, and – Think about that. So, like, do you really think that this team is that much better than the team you guys had in the bubble when you had Tyler Harrow scoring 37 points a game and you had Jay Crowder, you had Goran Dragic, and I know Lowry's good, but Heat fans know how good Dragic was. He was unbelievable. So you can only expect Lowry to be just as good or a tiny bit better. So, again, I mean, listen, I love your optimism. I really do. <laughs> no, but to, to your point, I mean, Jay Crowder was a staple. He was the guy, I mean, he was playing so far above his means in that bubble. I mean, he's really around a 32, 33% three-point shooter, but there were series where he was close to 50% from three, specifically against the Bucks. And I know I definitely hear you. I think that if we were to bring in these guys, as mentioned, there's definitely other moves to be made, especially if we still can keep that mid-level exception open. I think there's a lot of guys that are going to be available this summer that can kind of fill that Jay Crowder role and actually shoot at a much higher clip on average than Jay was able to shoot. I'm liking guys, you know, in the Nick Batum, Rudy Gay, Jermichael Green range. And specifically, to be honest, I really want to see Jermichael Green um, come to Miami. The man shoots around 40% from three, super versatile, maybe not as strong as Jay Crowder was, but I, I think that, you know, if we bring in a guy that's a little better for sure than Iggy and Ariza, Definitely don't want to be seeing Ariza start at the four ever again. Um, but I do think, you know, Jay Crowder's replaceable. And I think if we were to get one of those guys, I, I think that that kind of fills the void you're talking about. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, yeah, I think that's all we got to do, man. Listen, you know, you bring Jermichael Green to Miami, you drop a little culture on him, and he turns into Jay Crowder just like that. But uh, all, all in all, getting like, you know, last thoughts on, on the Heat, you do the trade 100% if you can keep Duncan Robinson on your team. It's a... Home run for the Heat. You open up the mid-level exception where you could sign someone else. I'd shy away from DeMar. If DeMar is the only way of getting this done, you really need to have a long conversation about it. 
and like see where you your team wants to go. But yeah, uh, if you know, I'd shy away from Demar. I'd definitely make the trade. I don't really know from the Raptors' point of view why you know they'd want to pay Drogic right now. But I really do think the Raptors are due for a big season as well, and they're not going to be as bad as they were last season. So let's get into uh, let's get into some free agency. Yeah, absolutely. We got a lot of other news um, that dropped today. Big um, news. First, yeah, I mean, a lot. So let's start with Kawhi Leonard, man. Wait, wait, wait. Before we get to Kawhi, there's bigger news. I mean, I'm living in Manhattan right now for all the viewers that are out there. Frank Nielakina didn't get the <laughs> extension. Um, it's devastating for New York Knicks fans. I feel for you guys. <laughs> Frank the Tank was a leader on this team. We'll never forget him. Let's just pray we can still sign him. But I can't imagine that other teams aren't going to be just out there making calls like probably right now because the news just dropped. So just pour one out tonight, New Yorkers and probably NBA fans around the world. <laughs> For Frank Nielakina, he was one of the best Knicks I've ever seen. But yeah, <laughs> I just needed to say that. Continue, Jake. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh no, I mean, for real, longest tenured Nick, right? Is that, is that right? Is that longest tenured Nick on this, you know, current roster for like the last seven, eight years. Yes. Yeah, man, that, that's a real tough one for Nick fans to swallow. I do. I do apologize to all y'all. Um, hopefully you guys can recover. I think but he was no, the Phil. I think he was a Phil Jackson pick. If you want to think about how long he's been on the Knicks. <laughs> that's that is that is honestly wild with an E. That is, that is pretty wild. Um, but, you know, the Knicks got a lot of options. They got a lot of cap space and a nice young team. Um, and so we got a couple guys I want to talk about that could be Knicks targets, but I think we should start with Kawhi Leonard. He declined his player option today. A lot of people are saying that, you know, he's still pretty, you know, the Clippers are hopeful he's going to end up extending with them. But I want to ask you now, do you think there's a chance Kawhi could leave? And if so, where do you see a couple potential options for him going to? Yeah, I mean, that was Big time news. Kawhi is really just something else. I mean, you don't even know in the middle of a Western Conference Finals if he tore his ACL or not. And then after the Conference Finals, you find out that he had successful surgery. We're all under the assumption, every NBA analyst out there, that he's resigning with the Clippers and that he's happy and everything. He denies this out of nowhere. It's just in this day and age, he is so insane that he keeps everything so low key. It's honestly more impressive than how good he is at basketball. Like it blows my mind. It's wild with a knee. But yeah, getting into uh, like where I think he could potentially go. I don't think he's resigning with the Clippers. I know Woj uh, hinted at that in his tweet, but I also saw a response from Bobby Marks getting into uh, talks about his contract, saying if he resigned next year, he would have a, a, a lot larger max contract than he would now. So just from a money perspective, you'd think he'd do it next year to get more money, and you do it now if you need the money, but Kawhi Leonard doesn't need the money. So I think... He has his own thoughts. I think he's the hardest player in the league to figure out. I mean, I knew people had a feeling he was going to the Clippers. Uh, I just see some teams around this league, like, brewing. Uh, I don't think it's your Miami Heat, but I think the New York Knicks are, like, obviously he has them in mind. I think you can never sleep on the Golden State Warriors figuring something out. I mean, you, you never really know. And... I have no idea where he wants to go. I don't think he's going to re-sign with the Clippers, though, and I think every team needs to pick up the phone right now and try to figure it out how they can get Kawhi Leonard on their team. Yeah, without question. I mean, if, if he were to you know start exploring other options, he's by far, by far, obviously, the biggest name in free agency that's been, you know, been coveted for a while. I do think, ultimately, I think he's going to stay. I definitely hear you out on the, on the cap situation, but... Uh, I mean, the man is, he's a, he's a weird dude. Uh, he's a fun guy without question. And 
you know, he left a, a literal championship situation to go play in LA. I think that Los Angeles is a place that he's wanted to be his whole career. Um, and ultimately, you know, the, the, the Clippers definitely showed out without him. Um, Paul George, you know, a lot of, let me, let me talk a little bit about Paul George. I mean, I, I know I'm a Heat fan and, and playoff P baby yeah, playoff P bro. We saw some of his biggest moments, most um, entertaining player in the league. He's great, man. And, and we saw in it, when he was back in, on the Pacers, he had some incredible moments and, and you know, toe-to-toe with LeBron. You know, it, it was pretty incredible to watch how, how oh, well when, he was able to play. When LeBron slapped him on the butt and was like, good job, bro. That was a nice dunk. Yeah. Yeah, I you mean, remember that? LeBron acting all high and mighty out there thinking. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. Kind of what LeBron, that's kind of how LeBron is. But, I mean, <laughs> Paul George is the truth, man. And I think that this summer he, he shut up a lot of people. I think, you know, NBA fans have really short memories and they love, you know, the recency bias. And, you know, if, you know, him, him being not great last year led people to believe he's not, he can't be the guy. I think he certainly can be the guy. I just think that ultimately, you know, he and Kawhi are not an incredible fit together. I, I think they're really similar players, both being obviously wings that do a lot on defense and, and can score. Neither one of them are an incredible facilitator. So I do think that, you know, Kawhi coming back to them would need to lead to another move to maybe get a real point guard or at least someone that can handle the ball and and get them better looks. But ultimately, as I said before, the dude left literally a ring to go play in L.A. I think he's going to stay. But one thing you said that is interesting is I do think if he were to leave, I I, I think he would stay in California and I would watch out for the Warriors. Um, They're definitely they got stuff brewing. They definitely have sign and trade potential. Um, they got that Albatross contract in Wiggins that they could potentially trade out. And they got they got some assets. I mean, they got picks. They got Wiseman. So I think if anyone were to become available, I do think that they're a team to watch. Um, so, so, yeah, Kawhi, I mean, listen, man, if he was on the Knicks, that would be a pretty damn interesting yeah, team. That's what I was about to get into. I mean, I really do think the Knicks have things brewing right now. I don't think it's an accident uh, that they opened up cap space on draft night. With all the trades they made, they kept trading out of their pick and moving back. And uh, I'm not exactly sure what they did. I'm forgetting, but they did open up cap space and they just have stuff brewing. I mean, I'm hearing a lot. I'm hearing that Dame would actually be interested in going to New York. The problem is you really can't sign Kawhi right now with the Randall situation. So the Knicks would have to think internally, how could we get all these guys on our team? But I think that's the goal right now. And I do think the New York Knicks are actually a destination that players are interested in watching that Hawk series with Trey Young and just seeing the Knicks, you know, in Madison Square Garden in the playoffs. Plus, they obviously play hard. They play defense every single night. They're one of those regular season teams that you're playing and you don't think it's going to be a tough game and then people are elbowing you all game. And it's just a really gritty game where both teams score under 90 points and the Knicks end up pulling it out. So I think that Kawhi potentially could you know, think there. I, w- I don't want to get Knicks fans' hopes up, and Knicks fans are probably ecstatic today after hearing the Chris Paul news as well, because there's been rumors about Chris Paul coming to New York, and it's just insane to me. First of all, that Chris Paul at this age declined a 44 million dollar year contract. If you told me that in 2019, after he got hurt and didn't play in that game against the Warriors, that two years down the road he'd be declining a 44 million dollar contract, I'd tell you you're out of your you're out of your mind, like actually out of your mind. So what Chris Paul has done over the last couple of years is insane, like just insane from a money perspective. But yeah, I think the Knicks are thinking about Chris Paul. I think they're thinking about Kawhi. Um, if you want to think 
I think they were thinking about uh, Duncan Robinson before the seat news happened today and that he could retain them. But yeah, those are some of the free agents I think they're looking for. And we're just waiting to see that team that wants to make the splash, you know? No, for, for sure. Um, and I, I do want to get into Chris Paul a little bit. Like you said, man, what a revival. I mean, Chris Paul, a couple of years ago, one of the biggest, if not the biggest negative asset in the league to the point where the Heat, were, the Heat would have potentially even taken on a pick to be able to get him. Um, obviously, you know, leaving the Rockets, he was just banged up, just signed that massive extension, and, you know, went over to OKC, kind of had a miracle year with them. Um, in the playoffs, they were a good team. I think, obviously, OKC made the right move and capitalizing on that, able to get some first, you know, as, as they do very well, getting him out to the Suns. But I think, you know, with that revival – and obviously the, the finals run this year, Chris Paul's thinking to himself, I can make 44 mil now, but if something happens this year, if I have the injuries again, if, you know, we don't do as well as we did last year, he's thinking, he's thinking about that next page. Mm-hmm. I think that Chris Paul right now is thinking I could sign a, a two or three year, maybe even a four year deal for 120 mil. I think four for 120 isn't out of the question for him, even though he's old and even though he was just, just a negative asset a couple of years ago. I think he's he's going to capitalize on the year he just had. Um, yeah. I did see there was optimism in Phoenix that he's going to stay. But, I mean, I don't think it's a given. Nearly as much as I think Kawhi is a given. Yeah, Chris I mean, I, I agree with you. I don't think that Chris Paul, after declining this, I, I think Phoenix, you know, is willing to give him the offer and they'd be happy to resign him. I also agree with, you know, the numbers in your contract. I think most teams will be willing to give Chris Paul that contract right now that are ready to win and they want a player of his caliber. Um, I think at this point in his career, Chris Paul's looking for closure. So I don't think he feels that closure probably in Phoenix playing with all these younger guys. I think he wants to go to a situation where he is, you know, playing with playing in a spot like New York or playing, you know, on a team where he feel like, I I think he knows that uh, the Western conference and the Eastern conference were injured this year. And he might not see the Suns getting back to the finals. I'm not saying that the Knicks are going to make the finals if they sign him, but I think he's, you know, has a lot to think about Chris Paul and he's probably trying to figure out how he could join a team and help that team get to the finals, whoever they're going to sign after him. He's probably on the phone with some other free agents right now, honestly. No, for sure. I think that's, that's absolutely the truth. Um, And I, I, you know, people got a lot of different opinions on Chris Paul. He's not that he's definitely a dirty player. My perspective on him is I've always been a huge fan of the point guard. The man, he's the skate instructor. He literally puts people on skates at, you know, 35 years old. I love the fact that he is, you know, part of our generation. Um, You know, he's done things that I've never seen in passing. You know, he's just a very fun player to watch. And ultimately, you know, I would really want to see him go to a winning situation. And I, I don't think there's a chance he would go and play for anyone that, he feels can't win right now. So I definitely think he's, he's brewing some things up with other free agents, but you know, last year he basically was a 50, 40, 90 guy. Like when I'm talking, basically his, his field goal percentage was 49.9%. Mm-hmm. Three point percentage, 39.5 and, you know, over 90% from the free throw line. Um, so the yeah, I'm still ball out. You he, know? Could, he, he could still ball out. I mean, my opinion on Chris Paul's game is that he's a great player. I don't think, uh, 
he technically fits this style of basketball like that's played today, but he's obviously a winning player. He obviously makes other players better. He look, look what he did to Aiden in the postseason. I, I really don't think it was Aiden. I think it was uh, Chris Paul and the rest of the team, you know, just putting him in the right opportunity. I think Aiden's a good player, but he's not as good as he played in the finals. Uh, getting into Chris Paul, the person, I absolutely despise Chris Paul, the person. <laughs> he's the dirtiest player in the league year in and year out, and people don't talk about it because he's actually a good player, unlike Patrick Beverly, let's say. I mean, Chris Paul's actually been hitting big men in the nuts since 2002 in Wake Forest. <laughs> Look up one YouTube video of Chris Paul dirty plays. There's you could probably find a 25 minute video of three second clips of the dirty plays over and over again. It's ridiculous, and he he barks to the refs. He's a crybaby, you know. And great player. I hate all the love he gets on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you, man. I mean, listen. There's no question he's dirty. Um, I still think that right now, though, that all that aside, um, I guess I guess I guess let's uh, let's frame it this way. If you're the Knicks. Um, and you can bring in Chris Paul. Would you would you max him out or, or near max him out for four years, knowing that at age thirty nine he's going to be making thirty to forty mil? Would you do that as a Knicks team? To me, uh, I'm a bit extreme, so I'd say no because I think the Knicks are putting themselves in a similar position that I I told you that he should be worried about, where the Knicks are going to fast forward their process a bit and try to like get better quick. Um, I think all Knicks fans want Chris Paul. I think Chris Paul will make Knicks players better, like RJ Barrett and Emmanuel quickly. I think that they're just setting themselves up to be a good team and not a great team. I mean, you just don't know what the team will look like, you know, whoever they sign after Chris Paul. If I'm the Knicks, generally, I'm not doing that. But if the you know option B is to sign Lonzo Ball for four years, a hundred million, I'd sign Chris Paul for four years, you know, a hundred and fifty million instead. Um, that's that's the thing because I really do think the Knicks are out there looking to sign. So if you know if it's a star versus a not star, yeah, I take Chris Paul. But all in all, if I'm the Knicks, I'd use that cap space to take on bad contracts with picks of players that you know teams that want to get off contracts instead of doing signing Chris Paul to all this money. I really do think they have good young players that get stuck on the bench like Emmanuel quickly behind players like Derrick Rose that I just think they're doing it the wrong way. You know, like how, how long can you watch Reggie Bullock play basketball and Alec Burks <laughs> and, and Taj Gibson instead of seeing Mitchell Robinson, instead of seeing Emmanuel quickly and RJ Barrett. I mean, I'm the biggest Kevin Knox believer in the world and he sits on the bench every single game. And <laughs> he, like, he literally rots. Yeah, I mean, Ben uh, Kevin Knox dunked on Ben Simmons from the free throw line, and you're like, whoa. <laughs> I, I used to watch Kevin Knox in Kentucky when I went to UF in person, and he was hitting threes and playmaking, and then he gets to the league and he shows spurts where it's like, whoa, he could be a really good player. It reminds me of Giannis a little bit. And then he sits on the bench for the next two weeks because Thibodeau's system is just, you know, play the older guys that play defense and play hard and let's get wins. But you – you don't want to be stuck in that purgatory thing. So getting back to the original question, no. But if option B is to sign someone like Lonzo Ball or Spencer Dinwiddie, then yeah, I'd sign Chris Paul instead. Yeah, that, definitely some good points there. Um, I do think the Knicks, among some other teams, might have some even better options. I want, I want to transition a little bit into the Damian Lillard and, and Bradley Beal situation. Um, first off, do you think either one of them is going to actually want to leave? And, and who realistically would you rather have on the Knicks I think Dame wants to leave I think Beal wants to stay I think Beal is a 
not as similar to most NBA stars. I think he actually likes it in Washington. He seems to be a family man. He seems to have a good relationship with the management, regardless of all the 10 second clips on Twitter you see of him, you know, pouting on the bench and being like, you know, shit, we're down 35 today. Like, and I dropped 50 points. Like, what the hell is this? But I really do think he wants to stay in Washington. I think he's going to be happy with the players they just got and everything. I think Dame definitely wants to leave and he's made it pretty clear. And then just like retracts his, you know, his statements and is like, nah, like I said Portland for life, you know, when I was younger and I still mean it, but things need to change. So I think Dame is keeping it low key, but he definitely wants to leave. If I'm the Knicks, uh, again, like it really depends on your, you, you need to have a plan. You can't just be like, I'm going to trade for Dame and then have Dame, Randall, you know, you're going to have to trade quickly in every single pick you have, plus Mitchell Robinson, plus Kevin Knox. Hopefully you can keep RJ. You trade that for Dame. They could probably do better than that, first of all, the Trailblazers. You trade all that for Dame. That team that you have now is not even as good as the Heat team with, you know, Kyle Lowry on it. So, like, you just need to look in the mirror and say, where will my team be after the trade? Do I have a bigger plan to get maybe Kawhi and not re-sign Randall? Or, you know, there needs to be a big plan in place, like similar to the plan that, the Lakers had, you know, when they got LeBron and Anthony Davis and the Nets had when they got Kyrie and Kevin Durant, like it was a long-term plan that they had and you need to, you can't just put the pieces together slowly. 100% agree. Um, lot to unpack there. So I think I'm going to start um, with Dame. I, I think he's going to be out and I think that he's trying to save face on Twitter. I see, you know, him getting in fights with reporters, like, you know, reporters that are saying Dame's trying to get out of there and then he'll literally reply to them be like, you know, this is BS, this ain't true. I really think it's, I think what he's presenting to the, the world and social media and what he's saying is not how he's feeling. You know, he's, he's such a high level player and it's got to be frustrating knowing that there really is no true path for him to compete for a title in Portland. I'm a big CJ McCollum fan, but having him as your second best player it's pretty abysmal, and I, there's no, there's literally no doubt in my mind that that team can't win a ring, and I, I think he knows that as well. Um, and, and being such a big superstar right now, I, I think he really is a guy that wants to, you know, I want, I think he's a guy that might think about his legacy a little bit. And if he doesn't end up ever win a ring, there's no way people are going to consider him a top thirty player of all time or so. So I do think he's, you know, may, might not be during the off season. I think he might be a guy that might let it ride for a little bit, see where the where the, the Blazers are at. I think maybe by the deadline, um, I do think he's going to end up saying, you know, if they're the fourth, fifth seed, like, you know, people are projecting them to be, I, I do think he's going to want out. Um, as a Heat fan, I would love him. I don't think it's realistic. But I do think a team like the Knicks that can maybe make some ulterior moves, I think that would be a really good spot for him. Um, and I think that, you know, he just needs to be paired with a big man. Um, you know, like just the, the problem is like I'm gonna put this in your hands. You're Portland's GM, right? And you know Dame wants out, but Dame's not a player like James Harden that'll sit out and pass the ball into the stands on purpose because <laughs> he wants out. So Dame's gonna show up the training camp, play hard. If you're if you're the Blazers, would you take? And I'll even throw in R.J. Barrett here. Would you take Emmanuel quickly, R.J. Barrett, Mitchell Robinson, Kevin Knox, and three first round picks for um, Damian? Well, I think it definitely depends on the market. I, I do think Dame is going to be good to the, the Blazers. I don't think he's going to be a, a guy like where Jimmy said, I want to go to the Heat. I don't think Dame is going to say, I want to go to this team or that team. I, he's probably going to give him a very short list, maybe three to four teams. And I think that, that the Blazers owe him as well for you know staying there for so long and, and all he's done for that city. So I do think if the Knicks are on the short list, 
I think that may be of the most competitive offers out there. I mean, I do think that, you know, would you do, let's say the offers competitive though. Like, listen, they don't have to trade him, And that's just, you know, it seems like that's not clear these days in like this day and age where every star, like star forces themselves out of their city. But, you know, although that could be a competitive trade based on the small teams he wants to go to, would you accept that trade? Like personally, I would not. Cause I think if you're getting Damian Lillard, you need to get more than RJ Barrett being the centerpieces like, as your trade. And, you know, that's, it's not against R.J. Barrett, great player, but if you're getting game, you need a, a Michael Porter Jr. similar young guy or someone that really, you really know is going to be a star in a few years. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a good point. Um, I do think that hitting the heart, like, you know, every, every team, anytime a team like the Blazers are going to get rid of a guy that's their franchise cornerstone, for the most part, they're going to have to hit the hard reset. So I think, you know, other trades would follow. And I, I do think that their their main aspect is going to be, like you said, a young player like Michael Porter Jr. that projects to be a, a true superstar. And I think it's going to be about the picks as well. And, yeah, like, you know, to be honest, I, you know, I haven't thought about it extensively, but the Nuggets and the Pelicans with Porter Jr. and Ingram are like the only two teams that come to mind. Like I feel like to actually put together a package that would be you know, like, everyone knows what you have to trade these days for the Stars. I mean, you saw what happened with Paul George. You saw what happened with Anthony Davis. Uh, even James Harden, even though the Nets kind of fleeced them, and it seems like everyone knows that. But Facts. I mean, the best player they got was Oladipo, and then they traded Oladipo for nothing. Uh, so they really did just got the Nets picks that are going to be bad for James Harden. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, like, everyone knows the price. Like, you know, and I don't think the Blazers – I think the Blazers are too smart of an organization to just give them up because – of whatever, you know, he's saying out loud. And I don't think Dame's the type of guy that's just not going to, you know, like he 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 knows what Portland thinks of him and he doesn't want to change that. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a good point. I think that ultimately Dame is, like I said before, he's going to give his, his short list. I think that the Knicks offer, it's, it's tough because I like R.J. Barrett and I don't, but I don't think he's projecting to be, he's never going to be, in my opinion, the top guy in a championship team. So if you were to open it up, and if, if Dame were to pick the Nuggets, I really, really like what the Nuggets have to offer. I, I think, you know, they, they would be hard-pressed not to offer Jamal Murray and Porter Jr. and some picks. And I think that's a lot. Like, that is a massive, massive package. But I think, you know, if you're the, if you're the, the Blazers, you really can't ask for anything less. Um, you know, Damian Lillard's been your entire team. They're not a, they're not a destination players are not lining up to go play for the Blazers. So you're right. I mean, they're going to have to wait it out and, and hope that they can try to build around him. I think that's going to be their next step. And I think, you know, this offseason, I've heard some talks of maybe them trying to swap CJ McCollum for Siakam. Do I think that's, you know, effective in making them a championship contender? <laughs> Definitely not. Um, I do think that the goal should be to bring him a big man that isn't Hassan Whiteside. I like Nurkic, but you know, I don't think Nurkic is – he's not as consistent as he was. He's been, he's been banged up a lot recently. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think their best bet is to try to build around him and try to, you know, make a last-ditch effort to, to make him stay. Now, if we're talking about Beal, the thing about Beal is I think he's ultimately has his eye on a couple teams. I, I agree with you, though. I don't think he's unhappy. You know, he's made that clear, and he's had plenty of chances to – express his, his displeasure with the team if he wanted to. And, and, and certainly he would be rightfully so. I mean, he, the man's a glutton for punishment. You know, they're, they're not good. He, he's way too good for them. But 
he's a good dude. I mean, he's a UF grad, so you can expect nothing less. But I think he's he's a good player that I think if he does end up leaving, I think he'll do it maybe next year in the offseason. He has a, he's the ability to become a free agent. And I think, you know, I've heard some people say it, but he's best friends, childhood best friends with Jason Tatum. I think, you know, a, a Beal to the Celtics kind of move is not out of the question. And I also think, honestly, you know, there are other teams out there as well that can definitely pique his interest, but I don't think Beal will be on the move this year personally. I don't know if you feel differently. Yeah, I, I feel the exact same way. And just, you know, a quick little thing. I don't want, you know, the fans out there thinking that the Beal to the Celtics thing is, just, you know, actually realistic. Uh, I just think <laughs> that the only – no, like, listen, I know what you mean. Uh, Beal and Tatum are both from St. Louis. They're best friends. It makes sense. But the only way I feel like they can get that trade done is if they include Jalen Brown and Jalen Brown – I know has a great relationship with Brad Stevens and, you know, just the Celtics upper management. He means a lot to that city. He does like a lot of charity work. You know, he just was, uh, he's definitely a leader on that team. So I don't, I think Jalen Brown is personally untradeable and I don't think the trade gets done without Jalen Brown involved, but I think Beal staying in Washington for the year and I'm rooting for Washington. You know, I, I really am. Uh, I think they're going to be a fun team. I, I like, teams like this that have new rosters put together and you just, you know, see what happens on the court and we have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, no, I, I'm definitely with you there. Um, I, and I and personally hate the Celtics. And I, if I'm them, I would not trade Jalen Brown, even one for one for Beal. I think mainly because, you know, Jalen Brown is, is truly one of the best two-way players in the league. I mean, talk about incredible defender and, and, and the leaps he was able to make offensively this past year. I, I think, He's a really, really tough guy to trade unless you're getting a tier one superstar. Mm-hmm. And I, I put I put Beal maybe in tier two or tier three. He's still a superstar, but he's not a guy that you can win. A ch- I don't think you can win a championship if Beal is your best player. And ultimately, like you said, I, I do think Brown is – he's really – you know, he's close to untouchable for them. So I think that's a good point. Um, so as far as free agency goes, we do have a couple other really good players um, out there available. Uh, I want to get some predictions for you. Um so I guess a couple guys to start your boy, Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, what do you think is going to be good with him? Do you think he's going to be a guy to command, you know, 20 plus million a year? And if so, what kind of team do you think would be looking to pay for that? I mean, anyone that follows Dinwiddie on Twitter knows he thinks he's getting four years and a hundred billion dollars. Us, He re- he tells uh, analysts to tweet that and then he retweets it and it's like, yeah, that's <laughs> what I deserve. So Dinwiddie needs to, you know, come down on his high horse a little bit and be a little more realistic, I think. He is looking for that, but he, he definitely won't get that. I see Dinwiddie's contract being like four years, $75 million somewhere, unless someone really overpays for him. I like Dinwiddie. Don't love Dinwiddie. He's a great player. He's probably underrated at this current moment. He could he could score 21 a game. I mean, he showed that actually on the Nets in 19 when we had D'Lo. He actually was the leading scorer on that team, I'm pretty sure. And, you know, the last game before the bubble that I watched of the Nets – Spencer Dinwiddie hit a game-winning fadeaway over LeBron in Staples Center when, when they just beat, I'm pretty sure, the Clippers and the Bucks back-to-back, and people were going on the whole, the Lakers are definitely going to win the finals, blah, blah, blah. So Din- Dinwiddie is a good player, but I don't think he's going to get what he thinks he's going to get, and I'm really thinking of some suitors for him. I mean, I don't see any of the contenders wanting to go out and pay him. They don't really have cap space. I mean, this is a year with not a lot of teams have cap space because of COVID and Teams lost a lot of money last year, plus most of these teams have signed players already to max contracts, and that's taken up most of their cap space. So, I mean, do you have any teams, you know, in the top, off the top of your head that you could see Dinwiddie landing at? 
Well, I, I think to me he screams New York Knicks, and, and I'll tell you why. First off, like you said, I don't think he's going to get what he wants. Um, he's coming off a huge injury, but ultimately, yeah, he was a 20-point-a-game scorer in 19, but if you break it down even further, he's really not efficient. You know, he shot 41% from the field that year, shot 30%, 30.8% from three. That's not going to get it done. Can I just – can I say quickly, you have to take – that's definitely a great point, and I'm not going to say Spencer Dinwiddie is an efficient player, but you need to take those stats with a grain of salt knowing that when you put Spencer Dinwiddie on a team and you call him option A and you need to score the basketball and when the shot clock goes down, he gets the ball thrown to him with five seconds left, you know, I'm sure he's going to shoot a lower percentage because he's not like – he's a star type player. He's not, you know, an all-star, and I think if he was another option on a team, he could definitely – be a little more efficient player, and he gets to the line a ton. So sorry to interrupt there. But, yeah, I just think you need to take those stats with a, a little bit of a grain of salt knowing he was option A on the Nets. Yeah, no, and I think that's a good point. But I also think that feeds into my point because if you are if you are looking to bring a guy in for $25 million a year, you're hoping that guy can be option A. And if not option A, an option B that can certainly become an option A at times. And I, I do think he's got a lot of potential – but, you know, he, again, with coming off the injury, the fact that he's already going to be 28 years old and really has, you know, really two years, I would say, two really good seasons under his belt at 28. I, I'm, I'm personally, like as a Heat fan, if we do somehow strike out on Lowry and we do somehow strike out on, you know, a lot of other players, I really would not want any part of Spencer Dinwiddie. And I don't think he's a needle mover personally. But, but, yeah, I, I think we're kind of in agreement on him not being an, an option A guy. I think the Knicks are a team that, you know, if they do strike out on a couple other guys, I could for sure see them inking him to a big deal. Definitely not four years 100, maybe four years 85, maybe something around that range. And I think mm-hmm. that's not completely unrealistic for him. Um, but, yeah, so what do you think about – I guess let's go on to Lonzo Ball, another potential Knicks target, but – where do you think he might end up, and what do you think his value is? I think Lonzo Ball at this moment is a bit overrated in the contracts he's going to, you know, the, that the offers he's going to get. I mean, he shot around seven three-pointers a, a, a game this year, and he had a great three-point shooting season. I'm pretty sure he shot 30 to 40% at a high clip, and he's like one of the only 20 players in the league I think could do that. But he, if you look at the numbers, he's terrible off the dribble shooting threes, and he's actually good spot up, so... I mean, if you use him as a spot-up shooter, he'd be a good player. He's a great passer. He's definitely a player at this point in his career. And I was not a Lonzo Ball fan, but I'll admit, like, he helps your team win. But I, I really do see him going to a bad team and, you know, getting a little overpaid. And I think all those three-pointers that you see him hitting and everything, I mean, you're on New Orleans where you're not really in playoff contention. You're losing most of the game. So you have to think about the importance of these three-pointers when they're being shot and made. I mean, I can compare it to the classic Yankees, Mark Teixeira, who ended the season with 40 home runs, but he hit three of them in the sixth, seventh, and eighth inning when the Yankees were already up 9 nothing. And then you look at Teixeira's numbers, and it's like, yeah, 40 home runs a game, but if the game actually mattered, it's a strikeout. So that's kind of how I see Lonzo Ball. He has a lot to prove, but I don't think a team that's in contention again. Like, I think these type of players we're about to talk about, they're going to be like mid-level teams like Chicago Bulls, uh, Maybe Memphis, you know, I'm just think, thinking of teams to tap, like, room off the top of my head that could, you know, sign these guys. Uh, there's a, a lot left. You know, there's a lot of free agents left on the market, so it's going to be interesting to see how it unwinds. I mean, I think some big trades need to happen first, and then these type of players will start to, you know, come off the board. 
Yeah, no, I, I actually do. You know, I'm, I'm with you there. You know, Lonzo, he's intriguing. He's about 6'6". He's getting a lot better at shooting. Um, like you said, you know, around 38% from three. And that's actually the second year in a row he shot above 37% on, you know, over six a game the first year and last year over eight a game. Listen, he's a really good spot-up three-point shooter, but can you, you know, rely on him at the end of the game to hit shots and start taking, you know, create his, his, his best value to a team, obviously, is as, as, as a facilitator and a guy on defense who can switch and really, you know, really lock it down against most point guards. But as far as contract goes, I do think he's going to command a lot of money. You know, he's a, he's a ball at the end of the day. The balls love the, you know, they're, they're market. They're all about marketing. And, and I think he still sees himself as the Lonzo ball coming out of UCLA. Um, so I think that ultimately it's going to have to be a bad team. A lot of talks about him going to the bulls, um, you know, good relationship with Zach Levine and honestly not a bad fit at all for that team because the scoring's already there. I mean, Zach, Zach Levine's kind of a monster, obviously bringing in Vooch. Like, they, the scoring is fully there. They're going to need defensive help, and they're going to need help with facilitating and getting Vooch good looks and getting Zach good looks. And to be honest, if, if they're able to bring in Lonzo Ball and, you know, if they do end up retaining Laurie Markkinen, I, I really like that team. Is it a contending team? No. But I do think they're, they're the kind of franchise where if they want to move forward and actually build around Levine and Vooch, which they have really no choice to do, I think Lonzo's that guy for them. Wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he signs maybe a three to four year contract, maybe around 20 to 25 mil a year. I think it's an overpay, but I do think the Bulls, maybe the Timberwolves as a team that needs to try to win now with Cat, um, they're another team that I could see him going to. Um, but yeah, I mean, like like you said, I don't, I don't see him. You know, really, I can maybe, really too much maybe see the Philadelphia 76ers signing him if they get rid of Simmons uh but you know who, who knows maybe that'll have to be in a signing trade or something I, I really don't know exactly how that work but yeah I mean uh Lonzo and these guys they're they could help they're gonna get overpaid they're gonna be on you know fringe playing teams for the playoffs and you know this is what happens in the NBA when you actually have a couple of good seasons you're just gonna end up on a decent team and probably be forgotten about for a couple of years but if Lonzo can get the all-star level then maybe he'll make an impact on one of those teams, like, for the long-term future. No, no, 100%. So, I think, you know, of all these players, I do want to mention one more, and then if there's anyone else you want to mention, you can definitely go for it. I want to run point real quick on Colin Sexton. I think that, you know, he's been linked to the Heat and a couple other teams. I think now, obviously, with, you know, the Lowry situation, it may be a little less likely. But what Colin Sexton has been able to do in Cleveland is definitely nothing to sneeze at. The dude's put up over 24 points a game um, with really no other options. And he was able to do it on 47.5% from, from the field. Like, that is really nice efficiency, shooting around 37% from three. That's a guy I could, I, you know, I could project being an all-star one day without question. He's only 22 years old. And like I said before, I mean, Darius Garland was the second, you know, biggest threat on that team. You know, he was all the focus. He had a 30% usage rate actually a higher usage rate than Julius Randle last year and was still able to put up those numbers on, on that kind of efficiency. And being a guy that really only makes around five mil a year next year, I think that there's a lot of teams that should take a look out for him. And if the, even if the Heat do get Kyle Lowry, I still would, would, would have no problem packaging that hero and assets and picks to bring in Sexton because he's not really a point guard. You know, I don't think anyone's really high on his facilitating ability. 
but his ability to stroke it and his ability to just, you know, he's got that, that killer mentality. You know, he's, he is that guy. Um, he, he is the young bull. Um, so if we were to acquire him or a team, at, you know, at such a low salary, I think he's an incredible asset for the year. And I know a lot of, you know, a lot of people on Twitter are saying, well, why would you trade for a guy if you're not sure if you're going to max out? I do think he's going to demand a max. However, you know, if a team such as the Heat were to bring him in and, you know, r- around the deadline, it really wasn't clicking. You really don't think you're going to end up giving him the max. I think there's, his market will still be high enough where you can trade him at the deadline to a contending team that doesn't have a lot of space. Well, no team will have space at that point. So he'll be an easy guy to move. And I still think you'll be able to recoup at least a first, if not, in, if not more, for him at the deadline. Um, as a rental for a really good team. So I'm high on Sexton. I think he slept on a lot. And if the Heat got him, I certainly wouldn't be upset. Yeah, I mean, I think Sexton is a great player. Uh, I think his all of his numbers on paper look great. And, like, you know, all the numbers he put up last year with the usage rate and the percentage he shot knowing he had the ball in his hands, that's exactly what you're looking for these days. But, you know, getting into, like, what teams he'd play for, they, it'd probably have to be one of those trades where you know you're going to you know sign after it. I don't think a team would give up a decent amount of money knowing they wouldn't re-sign Colin Sexton. And I think teams would be like willing to pay him, but I think you're definitely taking a risk doing so because his numbers and everything are great, but he hasn't proven yet that anything he does translates to winning. Uh, so that's just my overall thoughts on him. I think he's a good player, not a great player. I mean... He he looks he plays hard. He plays good defense. We're you know he has a long way to go though. And I think you know on a team like the Heat, a player like Goran Dragic will help you win more than a player like Colin Sexton. Even though Sexton will probably be better in the long term. So it just really you know where your team is heading and what you what your mo is and what you need for next season in the future. I know a lot of my uh, friends that are Knicks fans are looking for Colin Sexton because that could be a good guy down the road to have. But, you know, how much are you willing to give up? And then you have to wait. Money paying Colin Sexton and Julius Randle, and that's your two main stars. Is that really going to win? So, yeah, I mean, I agree with most of your points on Colin Sexton. Definitely uh, someone that we should keep our eye on because he – that could be a big trade that, like, shakes up the league a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I do think he'd come in and help a team. But as you said, if you're maxing him out, I think it really limits your potential to actually compete for a ring. And that's every team's goal, so I'm definitely with you there. Um, so is there anyone else you want to talk about free agency-wise? You want to get into the Nets a little bit? I'm, I'm giving the floor to you, my man. I mean, yeah, just last person free agency-wide, people should look out for Buddy Heels. You know, I mentioned him before, one of the best shooters in the league, league that needs shooting. He probably wants to get out of Sacramento. Sacramento knows that can get a ton back for him. Uh, I could see teams, you know, I don't know if it's going to happen this offseason or not, but go out for Buddy Heald. I mean, he is a great player, and it's honestly sad that one of the best shooters in our league is stuck in Sacramento with that garbage organization <laughs> and terrible management. Trash. I want to see Buddy Heald in the playoffs. I want to see the interviews after the game where he has trouble speaking. It makes me like him more. I think it's cute. You know, it's like he's a funny <laughs> guy. So I want to see Buddy Heald. But, yeah, man, let's get into uh, my Brooklyn Nets all season. Uh, it shouldn't be too much of an active one, but – so, all in all, I mean, you have to look in the mirror and say, you know, what happened wrong. And you could look at it at a simple viewpoint and say, listen, they were all hurt. We should have won. It was a matter of circumstances, freak injuries with James Harden on the first play of the Bucks game, pulling a hamstring when he was just sitting out. Like he was healthy. 
Kyrie Irving was healthy because he never plays. So, and he landed on Giannis's foot. You know, who knows if that was intentional or not, by the way, but won't, won't say that was intentional. Um, so the main problem, like from on the court perspective, Joe Harris was actually a disappointment for the third year straight. I mean, you have to love Joe Harris as a Nets fan. He's a good guy. You brought him in from the G League. He's gotten so much better. Three-point champion. Leads the league in shooting. Like, he's, I think he's done it two years now. So he's great. But in Philadelphia, when we played the Sixers, he had a terrible playoff series. In the bubble, he was just not shooting well. And he does one thing, and it's shooting. I know he can do a little more now. But if you're not going to be making your shots, we need to fix that. And our offense kind of relies on the big three swinging the ball around. And then Joe Harris ends up with wide-open shot. And he missed huge ones that... Who knows if he made them? I would be sitting here with a fake fan ring right now. So, yeah, I mean, I think we need shooting. I think Cameron Thomas helped that. The problem is that we don't have a ton of money to find these shooters. So we're going to need to find very low salary guys. You know, I'm thinking of Ben as a potential option. Um, I think a priority of this offseason is to get rid of DeAndre Jordan. We need to just get rid of him. He's never going to play. He, you know, he's he's old. He just he can't do it anymore. So, I'm happy to trade a pick to get rid of DeAndre Jordan. Um, and, yeah, we need to re-sign Blake Griffin, but he's going to get contract offers that are higher than we're, what we're able to pay him. But I'm hearing things uh, just from Twitter, you know, NBA analysts saying that he was very happy with the team, and so he might take less money to stay. And that would be a huge, huge offseason signing. We're most likely going to lose Jeff Green. We, we uh, gave the qualifying offer to Bruce Brown, but – all in all, man, we can like say all we want about the Nets offseason, and I'm obviously into it, and I want to see it, but I just want to see those three guys play together for an extended period of time in the playoffs and absolutely wipe the floor with the rest of the league, and health is the main concern. But, yeah, we need guys on a night-to-night basis that can go out there and get wins when these guys are probably you know, going to sit out over here like now and then. Yeah, definitely, man. I don't think you guys have to do too much. I do think, unfortunately – um, once you guys get healthy next year and you get things together, I, I think it's going to be a problem for the league like it should have been this year. Um, but, yeah, man, I, I think we did a really good job covering the league. Uh, I, I do want to touch on the USA ball because, you know, we got the Olympics going on. and We, ha- we to have to talk there. about that. We have to talk <laughs> about that. So, yeah, I, I think, I think it w- we behoove ourselves to talk about them only, you know, just with the gravity of the Olympics. But I think I'll, I'll start off and then I'll, I'll give the floor to you. Um, Team USA, obviously, there, there's so much pressure on Team USA, and it's just you know, a lot of people expect it just to be a blowout every game. I do think that the, the league has changed, and I think that international ball has changed a lot. Um, international basketball is really good, guys. I think there's no way we can, we, can, we can discount what guys overseas are able to do. And I think Luka Doncic said it himself best. He said, you know, it, it's easier to score – and you and, and the NBA than it is in Europe, and I think a lot of NBA guys ha- have been stuck in the NBA, you know, the NBA way right now. And a lot of the NBA way is, you know, drawing fouls, and a lot of it, you know, the Trey Young, Damian Lillard, Steph Curry, you know, a lot of guys just creating shots and, and trying to get fouled. And I, I don't, I just don't think it translates really well to international play at all. I think international play allows for a lot more physicality, which is definitely lacking in, in the league. And I think, you know, when we played against France, we just looked lost. Obviously, we got whopped by France. And, of course, Evan Fournier, of all people, who seems to just haunt my life. No matter who I'm rooting for, <laughs> Evan Fournier seems to just absolutely just, end, you know, give me nightmares every time. Um, but I think France kind of 
put it together. It takes team ball to win. And I just don't see a team that's cohesive right now. I think there are, are pairings that I'm really liking. I love, I love the Bam and Dame chemistry I'm seeing. But ultimately, I think the game against Iran is really hard to, you know, give them props for because it is <laughs> Iran. So I'm not, I'm not really – Sorry not to all the Iran basketball, you know, fans out there that are listening to this. Yeah, I'm sure there are thousands of you, and I, I, we do apologize. Y'all ain't good at basketball, and I, I'm giving you, Team USA absolutely nothing for that. Um, so I, I guess <laughs> I, that's really all I have to say. I, you know, I'm a little upset that – you know, I had, I had bigger expectations for Pop. I think that ultimately his career is a bit overrated. I mean, the man had Tim Duncan, best power forward of all time, probably top five player of all time. And when you pair that with Parker and Ginobili, it would be really hard not to win as many rings as they did. Um, but I still think he's a, you know, amongst the top coaches to coach the game. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe not the goat, but I think he's up there. And I just, I just expected more from him. You know, I, I was really, really pissed when you know players went down and they ended up bringing in Javale McGee and Keldon Johnson. I mean, I thought that was pretty atrocious. And it's clear that neither of them should ever really see the floor. Um, so I'm not happy with that. I know we were looking at Duncan, and Duncan didn't end up getting the call. I think we could certainly use a guy like Duncan someone that doesn't need the ball in his hands. You know, we have so many guards that need the ball in their hands to score and contribute, aren't great facilitators. You know, it doesn't look like we're really getting dirty on defense. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's tough, man. It's tough. And I think that we, we may be looking for like a silver medal this year. I, I really do. And I think, you know, we've seen it before in our lifetime. And unfortunately, that's where I think we're headed. But, but I'll let you uh, give your thoughts on Team USA too. Yeah, I mean – there's nothing like an Evan Fournier, like, 35-point game where you check the box score after the game and you're, like, Fournier at 35 and you just didn't realize all game that he's hitting step-back threes in Durant's mouth and Bam's mouth and, like, you watch the Celtics and you can't hit water if you fell out of the boat. Like, it's just hilarious when Fournier does that. But I'm just embarrassed to be an American, Jake. Like, I literally don't know what to even say. I'm waking up at 9 a.m. to watch USA smack Rudy Gobert. And, you know, maybe I live bet the USA. Maybe I didn't. Like, who knows? But (laughs) I was really upset after the game. Like, extremely upset. I mean, it's pathetic to watch. We just, like like you said, there's, you know, a lot of things you said that I agree with. The European game is different. There's less foul calls. And these guys are all looking for fouls. I mean, and we don't have a lot of playmakers. You know, when you have Durant, Beal. I mean, I know Beal's not on the team anymore. Durant, Tatum, Dame on the floor at the same time. None of them are really you know, finding anyone, like, open shots for anyone else. And the way the USA team used to beat these teams is by pure physical domination of LeBron dunking on people. And, like, I never like to give LeBron props, but he would be dominant in this, you know, Olympics because he's a physical player. And we don't have any physical players. I mean, Bam is a Gen Z type center. He's not, like, Shaq dunking on people. And if we're going to be constantly looking for foul calls the whole game, we're not going to win. I mean, there's, there's a ton of problems with this team. You said, you know, like, obviously, JaVale McGee and Kendon, Kelvin Johnson. Like, people aren't talking about this enough. That was an actual travesty that they were added to the team. I know your heat bias a little bit pointing you towards Duncan. And, like, hey, listen, like, Duncan would have made the team a lot better. I'm not saying that's not true and it would have been a good fit. But the fact of the matter is they have these guys on the team. Where's Trey Young? Where's Julius Randle? Where's Zion Williamson? If Zion was on the team, I'd love to, like, see him in the game and watch him. I don't even get to watch Zion Williamson because he's been on the Pelicans and everything. I mean, there's so many guys that should have been on the team and they add Keldon Johnson because of Pop. I'm, I have so much to say about Pop and there's just not enough time here. 
I think what he's done in the last five years is uh, I'd be very upset if I was a Spurs fan, but I guess you need to do what you need to do as an organization when someone leads you to the playoff 20 straight years and you're always a contender. But I mean, what they've done the last five years, they are in actual, they're in one of the worst positions in the league and pop is just showing in Olympics that he really can't coach anymore. And he's just a, f- a figure, like, you know, a father head of like a team and, you know, it's not really what you need in this day and age. And I'm aware of that. I'm sure none of the USA players really respect pop at this point in his career. And what, I, they do respect pop, but they don't respect his coaching. So it's just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not proud to be an American watching this. It's pretty pathetic. This is supposed to be like the one thing we're good at. We're losing every gold medal in every single sport. And then you're like, all right, at least we have basketball. And then we lose to Evan Fournier. So just tough, man. It's really tough out here these days. And like Durant's getting all this shit and, it's just this team really looks pathetic and they look soft, you know? Yeah, I, I think soft is a, is a really good way to put it. Um, and these guys are more, you know, these guys are hungry, right? The, all the other teams out there, they're really, really hungry. And I, I, I'm not, not to say that Team USA isn't, but I think the pride a lot of these guys have in, in their team and, you know, they've been practicing together for a long time. There's a lot more longevity and the other teams. I mean, Luis Scola has been playing for Argentina my entire freaking life. Like, it's just the continuity of, of what these guys are able to do. I do think it puts us at a, at a bit of a disadvantage um, in terms of mentality. So, listen, as an American, I'm really hoping we turn, it to, you know, we turn this thing around. I would not even be remotely surprised if we won the gold. But the way things are looking, I just think some team's going to come in there. And, and I think they're going to take it from us. Um, yeah, but I, I could see that totally happening, man. I mean, I'm not going to be surprised if we don't win the goal this year. I'd say we're the favorite. I think we're going to win. It's just, and, you know, no one could say we were, we're definitely going to win these games. I mean, they're weird. It's like I said, uh, dude, the ball is different. Just seeing the ball being a different color just freaks me out in the first place. But <laughs> there's there's five fouls, too, which is a huge thing, you know? Like, there's it's little things like that. Like, the, the times of the game are different, like the, the quarter length. So, all in all, like, we're just not used to it and showing and it's just – pathetic man like we get we don't get to watch this too often you know I, I miss the mellow days the olympic mellow days yeah man we could we honestly like i think we're lacking some veteran leadership too i mean kevin love i mean i, I don't think he's gonna be contributing anything on or off the court to this team and like you said man mellow balled out last time i wouldn't even have minded if we had him on the roster like he's not great anymore by any <laughs> just bring in someone like instead of Keldon Johnson, bring in someone that can bring something tangible of value. Um, obviously, all the, there's so many superstars passed up. Um, but, yeah, man, I miss the days too, bro. The, the, some of the best basketball I've ever seen in my life was Wade in the 08 Olympics, man. I, I don't think there was ever a player better in the world than, than Olympic D. Wade, and it's clear we're missing that guy right now. Yeah, totally agree with you, man. I mean, and like you said, if we had Melo on the team – 30-point dubs every single game. Every <laughs> fan out there knows it. That's all we want. I mean, I want Coach K. I want Mello. I want to see Darren Williams out there. Like, just the old teams are fun. But, Jake, this has been a, this has been a good time, man. I mean, we've been, we've been doing this for a long time. I had a great time on the first episode of Wild Thoughts. Yeah, man. Uh, I think we did a really good job covering the league, covering the Team USA. I wanted to thank you, man. This is the first episode of Wild Thoughts ever. So this will, you know, you will forever go down in history as our first ever guest. And, and thank you so much, man. I think we had a really good time. I hope that the listeners had a good time as well. There's definitely a lot more to come. But before we wrap up, Jordan, do you have any last thoughts? 
nothing just you know listen to wild thoughts this is probably the coolest thing i've ever done in my whole entire life being on the first episode of this podcast and uh follow my boy jake wild on twitter at wild thoughts and you know just keep watching the season i'm ready man and i hope i can uh get invited back on the show sooner or later absolutely man i have a feeling you will definitely be a staple on, on the pod but yeah guys uh, you know i think that's you know that's about it we, we really covered everything thank you guys so much for listening uh, let me know your thoughts. I, like I said in, in the intro, I really want this to be a community-oriented podcast. So hit me up at Wild Thoughts if you have any thoughts. If you want to be a guest, if you, you know, really anything, I'm out there. I want to make this as fun a pod as I can. Uh, and, yeah, thank you guys so much, and enjoy yourselves. Bye.